World. BUX World. BUX World. BUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about boys. Without further ado, welcome to the show. All right. Ready to rumble. How do? How are we doing today? Great. <laughs> Fine too. Thank you. Good. Good. Welcome uh, to VOX World, Marie and Ray. Uh, for those of you regular listeners out there, uh, you'll notice that we are absent of Dustin, unfortunately. Another schedule and mishap on uh, on my side. But uh, but we are here and we are uh, we're doing this. I'm just going to put this link into LinkedIn so that we can kick off that event there uh yeah welcome marie and ray of vui agency excited to uh, excited to have you along uh come across vui agency quite a while ago actually uh so i know you've been doing doing it for quite a while uh building voice experiences and whatnot in germany and beyond uh so do you want to tell us for those that don't know a little bit about uh vui agency and about yourselves marie do you want to, do you want to kick us off yeah, um, yeah, I'm uh, at Vui Agency since 2018, actually. And I think they were just founded some months before that. So, like, we are oh, three, three, four years old. And, yeah, we are an agency building voice assistance, um, meaning voice applications. And also, uh, like, our main um, yeah, purpose is uh, creating custom assistance. Uh, where we can put all our uh, knowledge and effort in. Um, and we are yeah, based in Germany, so um, with different offices in Berlin, uh, Cologne, Bonn, and Munich, and also now um, in Switzerland as well. And yeah, and growing uh, more and more with more nice people. Nice. Munich is epic. I was in, that was one of the final places I went before this whole stuff started happening uh, and it was an absolutely lovely place. So yeah, and, and, you, and you are a VUI architect at VUI Agency. Uh, what, what does that entail? Exactly. Um, well, first of all, it's also VUI design, what's what I'm taking care of, um, but also it's uh, yeah, about yeah, knowing and overlooking the whole architecture and infrastructure of the voice application I'm working on so that I can yeah, really see and know all constraints it might have and all features it has to integrate that in my design. Um, yeah, this is what the, the architect is about. Cool. And welcome, Ray. Welcome to VUX World. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself as well and about what your role is over at VUI Agency? Sure, my pleasure. Well, um, hi, first of all, I'm Ray. Um, an innovation manager and conversational designer at Vui. Um, I'm usually trying to see where somebody is going or where something is going and what's the best use case for um, all the users involved and for everyone who's going to use it. So my main purpose most of the time is to find the best conversation possible in any way and any use case and also help our architects to drive the whole technology behind it and, and find new spots and new things that we could maybe innovate or develop or even go beyond what we know at the moment. Cool. Nice. So you mentioned there that the VUI agency is, is working a lot on kind of like c custom assistance. So 
explain a little bit about about what's happening over there. Are you are you still working with Alexa and Google Assistant and things like that, or is everything focused now on on custom assistance? Well, we have both. Um, we are working on platforms. We're working with Google and Alexa, of course, um, but we also have clients where we really have to implement everything from the get-go, from the first use case, the exploration, up to how to set up the ASR, the NLU, all of it. That's why our main focus is often at the linguist side. That's why we have so many linguists with, or with so many people in our agency with um, a linguistic background, and they're doing an awesome job of knowing how language really works, um, which I so adore. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's interesting. It's a. Uh, I remember about th- probably about three years ago or so. There, there was kind of a lot of different. I mean, I would say conversation designers were coming from a lot of different backgrounds, um, and playwriting was one of them. Um, you know, screenwriting things like that. But it's interesting how many linguists have, have kind of got into conversation design over the last few years. I think three years ago, I hadn't really heard of a linguist. The, 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 the only term, the, the reason why I'd heard of the word linguist was I used to listen to hip hop music. Uh, I still do, but, but more so uh, back in the day. And I don't know if there's any hip hop fans out there, but you may be familiar with cunning linguists an American hip-hop kind of group. And so that kind of was my first introduction to the term linguist, which I like the word, it sounds nice. So you're full of linguists over there. Yes, we are from, and like from like many different disciplines, actually, because like in some point you are focusing on, um, on a discipline. Like for my part, it's uh, mostly about phonetics. So um, yeah, I started with my studies in uh, like basic linguistic, but then I focused on um, analyzing speeches uh, from from people and um, also yeah looking what what kind of TTS are, and synthetic voices are they and how, how do they function and um, then we have other linguists which um, have more knowledge about like um, corpus linguistics for example and and there are so many like yeah, feels and uh, it's nice to have like experts in it and then we all exchange together and then we yeah we com- um, combine this strength and create our custom assistance mm. i mean it's it's easy to to have linguists in there i mean conversational design on one hand you can do it on almost every platform you, you can go to google you can go to dialogue flow voice flow whatever there is and and you get most of the things um done like the NLU and stuff, but it, it it comes from the beginning to the end. It, it starts with how do I understand the voice and how do I transcribe it to, to how do I understand actually the words and the intent in it? And also how do I get the conversation running and then what comes after that? So the linguist part is from top to bottom. And if you want to do your own assistance, if you want to do custom-built assistance, you shouldn't do that without a linguist, I think. Mm. It's interesting you were talking there about the phonetics and stuff like that and as advanced as uh you know text-to-speech is and we had this conversation with um john kelvey and brick and seller and ahmed bouzid a few weeks back where we were debating whether voices stuck and what the landscape is and stuff like that and brett kind of put things in a real perspective which was that if you think about what we've actually got in front of us, we're able to have dialogues with machines that can understand us and speak back to us. You know, at a relative degree of fidelity, 
it's an it's an amazing spot that we're in when you think about it like that and and you know as 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 kind of what's the word i'm looking for some some text-to-speech systems i mean as far you can understand them they sound great you know the wavenet sounds sounds cool you know custom voices like the bbc sounds pretty good but what people don't really understand is that really to make them sound proper natural and not robotic and not kind of boring and making you switch off halfway through it does require a little bit of you know attention you know it requires shaping and molding and is that is that where you see linguists really helping out as as far as the ssml markup and making things sound more human definitely uh, like um like for the for maybe also for the beginning by choosing the voice actually it's also nice to have um uh, to know about the phonetics of a voice and of the parameters of a voice can um can be uh, uh, yeah formed by and um so that you can really help um explaining why a certain voice sounds good or um, might not be the right fit for maybe your brand custom assistant, but also as, as you said for the um, SSML tuning and so on, it's really good to have yeah, to have an ear for it and to um, know what pauses can actually do, like in, in terms of emphasis and um, yeah, all these um, yeah different me yeah, mechanics actually. Uh, which are in a voice and in the voice parameters. Mm. Interesting. Uh, SSML, I mean, that's that's the end part of it. Yeah. And you can do so many mistakes and so many wrong things at the beginning when you start developing the, the TTS and start thinking about how should this TTS sound and where's the difference if, if I record an O or an O and, and how will that change the whole model and, and that, that's another part you just can't do without them. And if that goes wrong, the best SML are going to help you to, to fine-tune it and to have, a, I don't know, a charismatic voice in the end. Mm. Mm. You can go one step, I suppose, before that as well and, and making sure that you've actually, you, you've, you've got the right words in the first place, in the right order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good. So, so we're getting into talking about charismatic uh, voice assistants. We've got a question from Adam. I'll come. I'll come to that in a moment. But while while we're on the concept of voices and you know TTS and all that kind of stuff, I've seen that you were you announced a partnership with Vocal ID relatively recently. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what that what that entails? Um, yeah, we're thinking about um, how could we um, maybe yeah. Um, like we would try to um, fit our like persona design that we create um, also on, on linguistic um, um, uh, character traits and so on that we would actually like in most of the cases to also have um, a voice which actually fits to that. So I think it's good to um, also yeah partner up or um, um, to to communicate at least with the TTS providers um, right in, at the start. So that you don't come into a project and you have already a selected voice and then you then you do the persona design and the dialogue design so yeah. i think it's yeah smart to uh yeah start at the beginning and um work there together mm. yeah the way the way they're working at the moment is usually you have two models and one is very general like it, it says everything perfectly and it has perfect 
um, pronunciations and has all the words, so it can sound nice. But it, most of the times, it's very without a character, without charisma, without everything, because it's not recorded that way. And afterwards, you put on top the voice, like like how should it sound? And sounding is not the same as emotions and things like that. And we thought and we're still believing that if you start that at the beginning, um, and yet you should start that at the beginning to have a real charismatic voice. And that's why we got in contact with them and then started thinking about how could we um, develop the first grade ML model for, for this voice before even going into how does the voice sound. So we want to give it emotions first and then the sound of the voice. Hmm. Interesting. What what are you finding from the work that you're kind of doing? Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the, the I suppose it's related to charisma. It is related to charisma, but it's more broader than that. I, I would, I don't know if you would agree, but I would, I would put charisma as kind of like a personality trait. Could be one of many kind of traits, if you like. Um, but the concept of having a persona, an overarching persona, and a brand voice is something that you know some companies have it's we spot we talk about it quite a lot you know um but there there doesn't seem to be a tremendous load of examples of things like custom brand voices in the in the conversational ai space although it's getting there but what are you seeing from the work that you're doing with the clients that you're doing what's the appetite for those those custom voices and custom personas and things like that is that like a, a mandated thing that you always do or is it something that you kind of need to spend a bit more time selling in and and all that kind of stuff well, they're getting it quite fast, as a matter of fact, because um, once you explain to them that this is, I mean, this is the person speaking to your customers in the end um, with your words. So the persona design is not only the part for, for the voicing or the, 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 the sound or the emotion of the voice, it's also the words. It's, um, it's, it's your conversational partner. So to, to have a conversation, you need two people, you need two persons, and both of them have their own user story. And if you just go for a use case, and I want to fulfill your use case, um, then it's a very one-sided conversation, and nobody really likes that. Even if I'm not interested in a conversation, and I talk to you, and, and you come on, and you bubble and bubble, and you keep on talking, I will have a use, I, I will have my own user story already. I will have... In my head, I don't want to have this conversation, and that's how I speak. That's how I phrase my sentences and my replies to you. And um, it, persona design is more than just how does the voice sound. It's it's how does it speak? How do I react? What do I want? Do I want to try and sell something as well, or try to make that person more comfortable in the situation, or um, maybe? educate that person on something else that I could also do in my brand, like um, telling you how to screw in um, a screw somewhere because you just went to Ikea and bought a new bed. It's so much more than just the voice. Mm. Cool. Mm. And, Go on, Marie. and also, um, it's, there's also, also again, the part of linguistics and combining all the strengths because um, to have uh, like a, persona with charisma also means to have a kind of a consistency within all the, the the traits a persona can have and if we know about all the disciplines which will be involved in creating this custom assistant with a custom persona then we can create this consistency because we we yeah talk to each other and see what uh, 
um, are the different aspects there and make sure that they fit together. Mm. A, a wrong persona can take all the trust of a brand away. I mean, IKEA is my, my most favorite example at the moment. I mean, um, they don't offer a lot with their assistant. That's but maybe that's just my feeling. But as soon as I talk to that assistant, I, I, I know it's IKEA and I know I can trust it. I know this person, this is this TTS knows everything about IKEA. Even if it doesn't, that's what I believe just because of the way the words are phrased and that it's a consistent character that I totally see within the commercials inside the shopping place and in the catalog and, and everywhere, wherever I see IKEA, I know it is IKEA because it talks to you in a specific way. And if, that, if that's not in that voice interface, then I feel disconnected. I feel it feels untrustworthy. So uh, I wouldn't really want to do my banking with it, maybe if it's about a bank or it's just not what it's supposed to be then. Mm. Yeah. It might also, it might also help potentially with like when an interaction goes poorly. I always, I always remember, um, I don't know whether, whether Domino's have uh, released a, a skill or an action in, in Germany, but the one that existed in the UK, I haven't actually used it for a while, to be honest, but I remember using it a while back. This is years ago. And it didn't really let you do anything. You had to already have all of the things that you wanted to order saved in your favourites basket on the website. So then you just went to Alexa and then you could just order whatever was in your favourite basket. But if you're like me, your order changes every time, you're in the mood for something else, so you really, you just couldn't really use it. But... The, the fact is that it had a really strong persona. The brand had a really strong persona. And, and you know, if you said something and it didn't really kind of understand you, like the fallbacks would say stuff like, uh, I don't know, um, how, like if you were saying, that, yes, I want to order for, for delivery or whatever, it would say jalapeno hell yes or something like that. Or like, <laughs> you know, pepperoni pretty please or whatever. You know, it had like little, little things in like that. And even though basically the thing was all but useless because I couldn't really use it, I didn't walk away from it feeling bad i thought oh, it was quite cheeky it's quite cool you know there was a pizza assistant once one of the first use cases for for google assistant and i had exactly the same it had so many things that you just couldn't do but it was fun talking to it and then in the end some of the, those people even ordered pizzas which they never ever wanted i mean <laughs> they wanted salami and in the end they just had a simple cheese cheese pizza just because it was fun talking it, to it and that's what the persona is all about. It can make you do things that you don't want to do, probably. Interesting. Yeah, that reminds me of Poncho, like as the chatbot example. But this little weather bot look, looked like like a cat, and like it's, it's just the weather which is used, but it's common. So yeah, also like very funny um, words on that. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So so, would you class? the persona as the charisma so how would you define a charismatic voice assistant is it is it the persona that's charismatic is it a layer underneath it like how would you actually define what a charismatic voice assistant is it's all of it and i think none of it while you do it i mean if you, if you talk to a charismatic person you you I don't believe that you feel it in that moment. But once the conversation is over, 
and you can't stop thinking about that conversation and you still hear that voice and you still think about the way that person phrased things and um, all that stuff. So you, everything that, that's still there after the conversation, even a week after or two weeks after, and then you start thinking about, oh, maybe next week I'm going to talk to that person again. And you feel excited just because you can talk to that person again, um, even though you maybe just talk about the weather, but you want to talk to that person and, and that that's charismatic, that's that's charisma. And um, that's based on the persona, that's based on how the persona fits the voice. I mean, if I would be talking like this all the time now, and I would, I mean, I would, you probably would love to hear what I have to say, but not my voice. So it doesn't make it charismatic. So it's, it's all of it combined. And then the brand into it too, and maybe a commercial that you've seen about the brand that it's, it's just everything. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's also connected to attractiveness because like in the end, yeah, it's for the user and the user should be attracted by it. So um, you, you design for the user. So you would like also for the persona think of who am I talking to and then yeah, design on that base also the persona. So um, yeah, because it's, likes to be liked by the users in the end. And um, what, what I also want to add uh, from a phonetic uh, point of view, because I found it very interesting that there's some, um, there's, uh, some university professor which is working on um, finding the direct traits in the voice which really is, uh, um, convey charisma. So he, yeah, he did like a score with that and um, um, and can tell you how, that you maybe should lower your voice a bit for your for your speed, so everything fits together, so you sound a bit more charismatic in the end. So yeah, this is also again um, like one aspect of the many as Ray says. Mm, interesting. I'd be uh, I'd be reluctant to put VUX World through that assessment, just in case what comes back says that uh, our our uh, our hosting is less than charismatic. Uh, but, <laughs> but but no, I think that. So I put a video on earlier on on LinkedIn when when I was talking about this event, and and the definition I found was compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. I always think when I hear the word charisma, I always think of like I don't know, like. Like, it always makes me think of like uh, like pop stars or something like that. Do you know what I mean? That have like mm-hmm. big egos and and kind of like loud, brash personalities and stuff. But really, it's a lot. It can be a lot softer than that. Something that's just compelling or attractive that can inspire devotion. You know, a relationship, some kind of synergy with others, is um, is quite a nice definition of it. I think. But <laughs> I have a but. <laughs> I mean, um, it's a superstar. It may be a superstar. Was imagine Britney Spears doing the news to you, like as a news anchor. Her charisma on stage would be gone because it's a whole different setting. It wouldn't. It wouldn't fit. So it's more than just that one thing. It's about everything it's, it's about who are you talking to where you said it um, what do you want to do what do you want to get what does the user want to do what does the user want to get and how's the voice playing in all of that i mean if if 
if I would try and persuade you into something, then I maybe would talk like this and I would be charismatic in that situation. But in the next moment, we will talk about uh, the car that is going down there and you get all emotional and you want to go like much faster and you want to bring your emotions out. And um, that might be charismatic too, but it's still the same person. So just one aspect of a charismatic voice wouldn't be enough. It's it's. It's just everything. You will always, I think, I will always come back to that. Um. Mm. Interesting. And uh, Shakib's got a question as well. I, I will, I will get to these questions in a moment because I, I can see them fitting in in a moment's time. Once we've got through this next question, which is, how do you approach that then? Because it, that that could be. Um, it all sounds very nice. How, how do you distill that down into something you can work with and how do you approach actually creating a charismatic persona? Well, um, it's a long process, kind of, but it, it's a, I would call it a standard process for persona design. I mean, um, you're looking at who's the brand, what is their values, which is very important, um, what do they stand for, what are their goals as well while interacting with the user, but what are the goals that they might not want to tell the user. And then you look at the user, who, who are we talking to actually? And um, then we're trying to find the best persona that has all of this, that has all of the brand values within, that has all of the um, brand communication um, guidelines within somehow, so it stays consistent with everything else that's happening around. Um, you will give it their own use cases where you say, okay, if I have the chance, I would like to talk about something else too, um, because that's something that belongs to a person, that, that you have your own dreams and wishes, and so it also belongs to the persona. And then you will try to find the right words for the user persona. So we have to look at the user persona as well to see whom are we talking to, what are their wishes and pain points, and um, how can we help them get to their goal and, and achieve what they want to do. And that's the base for the conversational design afterwards. Mm. And is there any is there any um, anything specific that you kind of do or document when it comes to that persona is it is it the kind of typical persona that you may have seen um you know i'm sure when i say you may i'm, I'm talking to the, the audience here that they may have seen uh, or used in the past in terms of a, a description of a person and personality traits and you mm. know motivations things like that is is there anything else uh, i've seen a couple of different versions of personas is, is there anything specifically that you're trying to kind of you know get down here like I'm Ray, please um, add something. But yeah, in the first place, it is. But of course, like we also want to add like more aspects of it, not not just like basic character traits and everything. For example, even something which which recommend a certain type of voice. And also, in the end, we are working on like style guides for the right use of the language for a certain persona. So, which is like more than just yeah be polite or something that we really put it into words how could you be polite and how um could you um represent uh, yeah the the competence which which is very important for example for service um applications that they that the user really trusts that um it gets a competent answer and so on so it's like 
we create yeah, bigger um, style guides actually, which we could work with and which we could also present to, to the clients. Hmm. Of course, we're having that um, ordinary, let, let me call it ordinary for now, even though I mean, don't mean the negative um, persona canvas that we that there is. So you know who you're talking to just by the traits, by the personality, by the characters, pain points and, and um, gains and all that stuff that all of us probably know. But we also added for our canvas um, some physical traits like um, what kind of frequency and how much SPS there should be in a second because that all defines somehow um, what a voice persona in the end could be plus added phrasings um, like what would I say and how would I say it and uh, what, how would I not say it of course as well and those are things that extend our persona canvas totally. Mm. Interesting. We've got a question from Shakib Labidi here. Shout yeah. out to Shakib. And uh, if you, so Shakib runs UX Playground, which I, I'll be speaking at UX Playground uh, next week or the week after. Uh, so yeah, feel free to join us at that meetup. It's going to be good. We're going to be talking conversation design principles. But um, but Shakib's asking. I wonder if uh, diversity, ethnic background, dialects, and things like that is something you consider for your voice assistance. Now, it's not clear whether Shakib is talking about um, when you create your persona or whether he's talking about kind of creating and designing for different dialects, different accents, things like that. So maybe we'll take it in both ways. Is it? Tell us a little bit about how you treat this from the customer perspective and also whether this has any influence or impact on the personas that you create. Oh. Well, we're having, within our agency, we're, we, I would say we're quite diverse from all over the countries, from, from, from Germany, from Spain, from some are even, not even working in Germany. Um, so we are quite diverse already, and that's why it's important for us um, to, to be diverse and to, to have that to, to everyone, even with our clients and customers. And um, we're trying to put that into the persona always, really, we're keeping them somehow neutral at the beginning um so we're not forcing something extraordinary to make somebody more diverse because it doesn't always um fit the use case um unfortunately and even though sometimes if you look at the user um we, we go on conversational first so it's always a hard thing to put um all of these things in there which you would want to have uh, from a diverse perspective but ethnics and dialects and these things, that's why we basically are doing assistance or, or custom assistance. Um, you can't provide them on platforms like Google or, or anywhere else, which are very strict in what you can do with them. And um, most of the use cases and most of the brands, but also their users, um, they want to feel understood. They want to feel close to who, who they talk to. They want to feel um, picked um, picked up, um, I, I don't know how to say that, but it's, they want to feel safe. Um, so uh, from that perspective already, we go into ethnics, we go into dialects, and also in diversity, and we're not going for cliches. That's something that we're trying to avoid always, even with our clients. And we consult them in that parts too, and say like, hey, I know um, you maybe first think it should be female because it's an assistant, but we don't believe so. Um, we don't we don't even believe it should be male. Maybe it should be something in between. Maybe it should be something non-distinguishable. So, um, let's wait and see what 
is the best for use case, and that's where we're coming from. We're always trying to find the best solution for the single use case. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, it's interesting the concept of gender in particular is an interesting one because I, I remember, and I always reference um, Wired for Speech. I'm sure you've read by Clifford Nass, who who says that um, there is, regardless of kind of the voice, people will assign a gender to it just naturally. Human psychology will hear something and assign a gender to it. I don't know if you heard that meet Q voice. That was the closest thing I've ever heard to something that you can't quite pick place but still when you you know we did an episode i think it was the rundown we did it and we played some samples and everyone was erring on one side or the other sounds a little bit more male to me sounds a little bit more female to me so how how do you so when, when we've designed personas in the past we don't give the persona a gender but the challenge is that you you need a voice for it it has to be voiced and so how do you tackle that issue because on the one hand you know it's it's a challenge isn't it because depending on the use case uh it's it's always you know a challenge you don't want to make the wrong decision you don't want to kind of offend anyone obviously you can give the choice with as google do with their kind of broad assistant but not every uh organization with a custom assistant is in a position to do that necessarily so how do you how do you approach the the gender of your personas that you create um, this is well, also where uh, phonetics helps a bit to to get out out of this dilemma because um, um, yeah certain like pitches have yeah convey certain yeah character traits even and so that we could give more yeah, recommendation what in which frequency uh, or which range of frequency your um, persona should talk and most of the time there are male voices or voices which were uh, recorded by male speakers and female speakers which have this range and overlap so if you are in this range you can actually say okay doesn't here it doesn't matter uh, if it's female or male not in terms of the persona but then there are also other um, parameters you have to consider like for, for the you know, for the whole picture and then one of the voices might fit better if you have like just a yeah, um, just a portfolio of voices you can choose from. If you design a custom voice yourself, this is getting yeah more interesting then. Um, but then you can also yeah try to have something like you, but also, um, which is also in uh, Wired for Speech, um, this is, can be a tricky part because um, my, some people might be a bit like irritated if they can not say it's male or female. So but this is also yeah, a brand decision. I mean, there might be brands which really want to achieve that. Mm. We, we mostly, I mean, I mean, the canvas that we're using now is very helpful in that because we see it from a data perspective that was done by linguists. And um, if we are searching for the closest of frequencies of the ones that we think is the best fitting for this use case, um, then we're very gender free. Because um, it might be that there is a female speaker that we found that has such a nice low voice and the perfect pitch and the perfect um, SPS and all, all the data is just like so close, um, then we would recommend that person, um, no matter if 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 it's a low voice or a high pitched voice, and it's it's just based on that data what is the best for this use case that we found. 
um, and on custom voices, you totally have the have the possibility to do so. In the end, it's always up to the client to say um, yes, um, no. I don't want that. I want a male voice or I want a female voice. Um, but that's something that we unfortunately cannot decide. We can just tell them, well, look, here's the data. Um, this might be a better fit because it's it's closer to what we think is the best. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. You've mentioned voice acting a few times and finding talent and stuff like that. Do you tend to use the voice talent to create the synthesized voice or do you tend to use voice talent to record the audio and use the audio? Or does it does it depend? Depends. Depends, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. On, yeah. on what? I mean, like for, <laughs> like, for one example would be like for more like a uh, skill for for children with where there are like longer stories read i would yeah definitely recommend uh like a voice which can actually convey all the emotions and so on and this is still a bit hard with uh yeah synthetic voices mm. Mm. also sometimes it doesn't really make no sense to 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 really create a full voice if there's mm. only like i mean 200 prompts that that you've gotten the whole skill and you don't need anymore and there's no future other than what is happening right now for the skill well why would you go to a tts if you can have this really recorded in a way that is perfect um for the use case hmm. interesting so uh, adam campbell has a question from a conversational design perspective how are you leveraging customer experience and the underlying process driving those experiences to design conversations i think what he's getting at is does the way that you approach this differ depending on the type of customer experience and the process, the customer journey that, that you're catering for or the needs that you're catering for? The, well, I don't, I don't need a conversation that in the end doesn't bring me anything that um, I didn't want. I mean, Nobody would start a conversation if you already know that this is not going to a good end. And so it is totally, it's totally necessary to look on what do our customer, their customers or their users really want in the conversation. So every now and then um, clients come up with, hey, we have this use case already and it's um, maybe an old IVR system or chatbot pre-based um, and it doesn't really work. People don't like using it. And um, then you will have to look at it first, like what do the users really want? Why don't they use it? And that will lead you to the use case your user <laughs> wants. And that's what you have to design for. And that makes it really easy, of course. Once you know what your user want, the conversation is very clear because you know what they want and you know what you want. And then you come together, have a talk, and in the end, everyone is happy. And that's how, for me at least, um, I go at the beginning for conversational design. Let's see, what do they want? What do I want to say? And how would this talk happen? And I think it's quite straightforward and simple somehow. Um, but I might be wrong, like totally. <laughs> <laughs> it feels simple to me. Yeah. Um, cool. So when it, when it comes to creating the persona, the charisma, like, how how are you well there's two questions one is how do you kind of write 
charismatically, if that's a word, how do you make sure that you're kind of infusing this charisma into the dialogue? And then the second is, how do you determine whether what you want to happen happens and measure the impact of it? So maybe we'll start with the first question in terms of how do you, once you've got this outline, you've got this persona, you understand the kind of the the, the way in which you're going to kind of go about this, the, the tone that the conversation might have, how do you then ensure that through the creation of the dialogue and, and things like that, and the, the, the TTS and stuff like that, what kind of things do you consider to make sure that what you produce is in line with what you have kind of decided, if that makes sense? There's so much uh, to consider. <laughs> um, um, I mean, you can see it like on a very, like, uh, as we would say intuitively on a lexical level. So of course the word choice you, you, you make conveys a certain, yeah. Um, yeah. Persona and, uh, a certain meaning and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. What kind of, uh, character um, the persona has and um, but also on like basic sentence structure you can convey more charisma if you if you're not talking like in these longer sentences with uh, a lot of commas uh, and uh, everything then this can also convey charisma and um, well there's yeah so many aspects <laughs> it's, it's, it's how you try to get the whole experience together, right? It's, yeah. um, I mean, as you said, with the pizza guy, just imagine that that would have that the pizza guy would have, let's say, a Swedish accent and would talk very slow and is um, every now and then skipping words, and and it would feel wrong. It just would feel wrong because you. Think of pizza, and you have um, I don't know Mario in, in your head, like Mario Bros, and, and he's speaking like this, you know, and um, that's why you go in, and we we got a pizza. You you want a pizza, right? You want a pizza? Come, tell me what pizza do you like? And that, that's something that you just need there. And, I'm, oh, sad, that I'm starting to feel like a pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's that's charismatic then. I mean, if that's something a voice can bring to you that you didn't even think about pizza, but now you do, then then it's the right voice. And even if it says grammatically wrong sentences, which don't make no sense, like just the sentence itself, but in the conversation do, then it's totally perfect. Mm. So it's so much in there it's where do you start it's more like where would you stop because you could go on and go on and fine-tune the voice in the end and make it a little more high pitch because that that mario is more like this uh, you know and you want to push it a little more up there yes 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 this is good and these are all the things that come in there you need them so there is no ending. You could always fine tune it a little more from the persona, from the words, from the phrasings, from the pitch, from the from the TTS tuning. It's it all has to come together somehow. Mm. How do you approach that that kind of iteration? Because you're right, you could be there forever, you know. And and one thing is, you know, you write a line of dialogue, 
it never sounds as you intend it to sound when a TTS engine brings it back. <laughs> and so then you need to clean it up. And then you put it in context with something coming before it and something coming after it. And it's like, that doesn't actually sound right now. So let's rewrite that line. And then it comes back sounding terrible. So then you tweak it again. So you could, you know, dialogue changes all the time. It gets rewritten, it gets redone. And, and SSML takes kind of like, you know, some tweaking and stuff like that. How do you manage that kind of iterative process? And how do you know when you know when you're done oh what you just said feels so like scripting to me i mean you, you can't script a dialogue you can only have it as often as possible and find out how to kind of steer that dialogue into the direction that fits to the persona and the use cases involved in this conversation so um for for me it's not writing it, it's like i have my golden line i know where i start because I know where the user comes from, and I know in this case where the user is going to end. And everything in between is something that I love to talk out and speak out with, with my colleagues, and we go through all the possibilities. And um, then you will start to see a silver lining, and you will start to see the golden way through that conversation. And come in the linguists at play, they go like, hey, you know, if they say it this way, it could also steer that conversation into that way. So how do we get out of there again? And it's it's not really scripting. I see it as a living object that you really have to live for a while to see how this thing works, how, how what, what's all involved and in which directions does it want to go and um, which directions do you allow it to go as well. Course there's in a conversation you can also say you know what I'm not talking about that I'm not talking to you about that I'm here for, for selling you pizzas but um, nothing else I don't have drinks I don't have noodles I don't have Chinese pizza only so what kind of topping do you want hmm. what's your thoughts Marie what, what's what's your kind of approach to that iterative yeah. cycle of of testing and hearing something and tweaking it and all that kind of stuff yeah, I have the feeling if I work with one TTS for a longer time, I already know a bit, like what works and what doesn't. So um, it really some kind of influences, yeah, how I would write. Of course, then I have to meet with the actual, um, yeah, what we what we would like to say in the end, and I shouldn't, yeah, just yeah because of the sake of the voice, I shouldn't get far away from the persona. Um, but um, there's yeah, some consolidation in the end. And um, of course, I try it, try it out. Then I listen to it and yeah, maybe choose some different words if they, they are, yeah, um, they fit. Um, and yeah, so it's like yeah, somehow like, I don't know, like programming something and putting something together and try something out again and in the end it's a yeah it's a round thing mm. I, I used to see the voice like the sound of the voice in the end it's like makeup it's if if the conversation isn't close enough to the persona and everything that both of them want to achieve in that conversation then the coolest and best tuned Tunedest, tunedest voice, <laughs> best tuned voice. Can, I think you can get away with that. Tunedest, the most, yeah, the most tunedest voice. Yeah, tunedest <laughs> voice. It will not save the conversation. It's like 
it's it's not going to make it any better because this this conversation sucked already. It's not going to be better just because it's a charismatic voicing sound sound voice. And so, yeah, yeah. You basically start with the body, and then you put the makeup on. Mm. It's interesting. I don't know what you think, but I don't know if it's just the way my my kind of brain works. But you know how graphic designers are very kind of anal about things. Rightly so, because our brains process patterns and pictures, and if something's quite not quite right, it's like, that doesn't look quite right. So graphic designers tend to be very, like, pixel perfect, you know what I mean, unless it's done artistically, of course. Uh, so they tend to want everything to be lined up and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's just me, but I tend to be a little bit like that with dialogue. So whenever I test anything, I've got my eyes closed. I'll never test it with a screen. I always have my eyes closed. I'll always listen to it, and I'll just think to myself, you know, what is this sounding like? And then that kind of guides the sort of process of tweaking it. Whatever. And that's a little tip, actually, I would recommend to people if you're designing conversations. Test it with your eyes closed because it's a different experience. Um, but but anyway, so so I you know you get to a point where you're happy, sounds nice, but then it's not a one-person game. It's always it's a team's game, and it's not just a team game. It's also a, a, a client relation game, and it's also a client customer relation game. And so there's this triangle of uh, of people involved of in, in doing this kind of stuff. And everyone who's designed any conversation at any point in time has had either a client or something that a challenge on the way something's phrased or something said, and a suggestion that's been mandated that you might not agree with. How do you and how would you recommend for designers out there to approach that? Because you're putting blood, sweat and tears into making things sound absolutely perfect. Uh, and, and others might not necessarily have the same opinion. How do you approach those conversations, even if it's just within your team, disagreements within your team about how something should sound? How do you, how do you approach those conversations? It's, um, I mean, if it comes to that situation, no matter if it's with the user or with the client or even in your team, um, for me, most of the time, from, from, from UX design perspective, it means the persona wasn't clear. You, you started the conversation and you started the, the whole development without a clear understanding for everyone involved, for all of the stakeholders um, of the persona. Um, because otherwise you, you, you wouldn't have the problem. You wouldn't come up with things like, hey, that voice sounds weird. It doesn't sound like the way we planned at the beginning. Um, that only happens if you had no plan, if you just started out something without looking, without having the 360 um, view on what you're doing from each and every single perspective, from your clients, from your users, from your team, from everyone involved um, and get all of their feelings and of course knowledge into that too and that from the get-go from the very beginning so the persona is not lacking anything and in this persona you already have the use case you decided on a use case you committed on that use case you decided on the persona you decided on the user persona like with the conversational partner um, you decided on the context where am i starting where am i ending um, that all should be decided before you even think about having a conversation that's that, that that's like in real life. You you don't go nowhere to have a certain conversation without um, being prepared somehow and before without knowing a little about what's going to be talked about. And um, that's the same for for every voice thing or every conversation thing that you try to design. Yeah, mm. I also think it's uh, it's about good groundwork that you have. Mm. Yeah, that you have your your style guide that you ha can actually 
argument on that, what you wrote down and developed before, and you can show, okay, this, our, yeah, our voice assistant wouldn't say that because of this character trait, and this is manifested like in, in this kind of talking or voice or anything. And yeah, I think it's about that. And um, it's also, as when you mentioned graphical designers, we, of course, have the same problems because like everyone, uh, like many people can like see and many people can talk and listen. So they use it themselves and um, yeah, trying to, to argument on, on their intuition. And of course, that's very fine. And we want, we need that in the beginning. But after that, it's um, good to have like yeah, good groundwork to to yeah, con con yeah, to explain why we would go with this dialogue design. Yeah. That's why we're always having a workshop at the beginning where all everyone involved is coming together, and but most of that, that the reason for that being is really that everyone is aligned. That um, no matter if it's if it's the communication person in there, the marketing person, the CEO, somebody out of the. Um, um, customer support who really has contact to the real user in the end. Like if, if you get all of that into the, the groundwork, into the beginning workshop, then you get all the perspectives. And um, then even the hardest CEO person who thinks they are always right and who thinks that they have the budget, of course, and, and that they have to give it to you, um, you have to make them understand how conversation actually works and you have to make them understand also how, how this company is in relationship with that user. And um, they most of the times have their own perspective of it. Of course, that's why they the CEO, but they also know that because they don't have the perspective of a marketing person, that's why they have somebody doing that and why they have somebody in the customer support. And that's why they don't have a clue on how is actually something happening on the phone while talking to a customer who's not satisfied with the product that was just sent to them. And if you do that, I think that that's a recipe for success of the conversation in the end. Hmm. It's a, a technique I used to use with in service design, which is mm -hmm. always relying on data and evidence rather than opinions yes. because everyone's opinion is subjective mm -hmm. what sounds good to one person doesn't sound good to somebody else in the same way as what one website that looks good to one person doesn't look good to somebody else and so to avoid mm -hmm. that kind of highest paid person's opinion uh, scenario whereby yeah. everyone kind of just does whatever the CEO says or whatever the conversation that we used to have all the time and similar in this situation is that the opinion is, is valid and needed but it is an opinion of one and no individual in any project is the baseline for the for the general public <laughs> and or the baseline for the user and so it's like let's let's take everything let's put the concerns down let's actually just go and test it and if the concerns you raised are raised in testing then we'll address them but if they're not then let's not worry about them and not i used to use the phrase let's not argue about the color of a bike shed as long as the bike shed can store bikes safely it doesn't really matter what color it is um yeah. So that's good. But but in, in that, we're kind of getting into, you know, testing, proving out value, uh, making sure that what you've created is in line with what you expect and what you would expect the customer to expect of it. How do you approach that taking a creation and making sure that it's a little bit like the brand image versus personality kind of, you know, diamond, if you've seen that before, whereby a brand has an image that they want to portray and they do everything they can to portray that image with a logo and colors and all that kind of stuff. 
but they're not in control of what the customer perceives. So the customer mm. perceives the brand personality and the aim of the brand who tries to convey the image is to convey a consistent enough image so that enough people have a similar perception of the personality, which is a very similar situation that we're in here, is that you create something, you intend it to have a certain effect, you intend it to have a certain persona, and the aim is that you do it in such a way that you are able to, with a large enough sample, have a consistent experience and a consistent understanding of that kind of persona. Not an exact science, but I'm curious about how you approach kind of validating or measuring whether what you've done is in line with what you would expect it to be. There are of course, the numbers that you can e easily use, like how many people um, ended the skill in the middle of it, how many people did come to an end of the skill. Um, there is classical research on um, comments on what do people say about it. So there is a variety of things that you can do um, as you would do with any other product. And in the end, that one use case, you could see it as a product as well, a product that you try to sell to people, that you try um, to make have attractive, most attractive as possible to people and users. And um, so you have the analytics from, from Amazon or Google or your own analytics that you implemented at the beginning um, when you decided that you want to, have, want to build up your own custom um, environment. Um, and it, I think this is very, it's a mix out of data-driven where you can already see a few of those patterns and behaviors of users in, within the skill, um, but also a lot of um, feedback and comments, be it passive comments, uh, passive feedback and research, or just go to the user and say like, hey, um, how did you like it? What would you do different? It's one of my um, most favorite questions. If you would be God in this skill, what would you change immediately? And he can find patterns so, so, so quickly in that. Hmm. Is there anything specific that you do to measure or to validate the, the charisma element of it, whether or not the, it is charismatic? <laughs> <laughs> how, how would you do that? I mean, uh, in the end, I think a product is good when people use it. And I think if, if we did everything at the beginning, as, as we said before, um, and we build a charismatic thing and it works and people use it again and again and again, and they don't skip in the middle and they don't end it in the middle, I would say that's a very good thing to say this thing is charismatic. Yeah, like for me it would be, but that fits to what Ray says. Um, for, for example, a service hotline, if you call it, and um, then you see like the users who still want to talk to, to an agent afterwards or if they are satisfied with all the info and how the you know, voice assistant um, explains the info and yeah, can, and how, when it can convey all the competence an agent would and the customer is, doesn't want to be um, uh, yeah, hand over, handed over to an agent, I think this would be something we could measure. Mm. And do, and, do, and do they come back? I mean, like, do they come back and still want to speak only to the assistant? And this is very number driven, I think, um, mm. that proves us right in the end. Yeah, I suppose the the if I was playing devil's advocate, and this this gets into one of Richard's questions, but I think it's, I think this is a timely timely point to, to to say or to mention it is that what I what I'd be curious about is because I just for the record I I agree that 
creating a persona is worth doing. I think that creating that style guide is worth doing, even if it's just for the team so that they all understand collectively how this thing should should work and should talk. I'm an audiophile deep down, and so I care passionately about making something sound good to the ear, making it sound like a conversation. Um, and I also care about making sure that when I test something with a user, it's giving them those kind of feelings that you would expect it to give them. You know, did it, did it, you know, mm-hmm. but, but, but I think that that is, is slightly separate to what you would say in there around, did it get people, were they able to do what they wanted to do? And I think that that's where, because it, because it may be that they could do it without all of that time and effort into persona design and, and crafting and stuff like that, <laughs> which is, which is one of Richard's questions, which is around, um, he said on the, on the comment to the video I put on promoting this episode. Uh, much of the research I give credence to almost always shows that users rank about having a strong personality, low on what they want out of it, well behind it understanding them or giving straightforward responses. I, I don't have any deep uh, feelings either way. I can understand where he's coming from. Is it more important to just get people to the, the get the job done or is it more important to get the job done in a nice way that, that has a chance of building a relationship? What 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 is your response if, for example, that was a client saying to you, people just care about getting the job done and the persona persona and charisma, they're not really feeling it. What what's your kind of your sell to to them as as why you should do it? Yeah, for me, like getting the job done means that the user in the end is like really sure about everything the voice bot said. So. Um, it, for example, if you have a service case that you you're confident as, as a user that this was the information and it's truthful and everything, and then it's um, then it's fine and the conversation had had a really good end. So, um, and this is I think still a um, um, yeah uh, a matter of of trust, and this can be conveyed by a charismatic voice assistant. Mm. What's your response, What do you think? I'm, 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 a, I'm a little. It's always in UX design and product design. You you always try and get all the things involved and still try to make the best out of it. So I think um, if if there's a client who says I, I just want to have the job done, um, it, it doesn't really end there just because they say you want to have the job done in the end you will still have a persona within that uh, within that skill because you will still decide on how to say it and how to phrase it and even if the client doesn't really um um, realize it by giving comments and saying like yeah you know what i think our brand doesn't say it this way um maybe find it in a different way and you go into that iteration of um stuff and and that's where you already started, like very subtle on the side, start doing a persona. And um, maybe, maybe you could argue a persona is really not um, necessary at the beginning. And if, if you go on for just one single use case and you plan on never doing anything again for that brand and the brand says like, we just want to have our, 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 our assistant say, hi, I'm the brand, I love this, I don't like that, um, what can I do for you? Oh yes, I can send you an email, bye. Um, then shall be it. I mean, if that's how a brand wants to represent themselves and if you as a designer say, okay, I need the money, I need to do this, um, let's do it. Um, do it. I mean, don't say no just because of that. But 
in the end, if you're doing a long run and, and if you know it's going to be a multi-purpose and, and with different kind of intents and different kinds of, 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 of goals and use cases, then um, there will be a persona anyways. And I think if you didn't, if you didn't do that at the beginning, you will run into problems in the end because then you will have all that conversation with your clients and telling them like, I have to say it that way because otherwise it wouldn't feel the same like in that uh, skill. And um, then they don't come back because they don't realize it's the same brand and all these things and they happen. People jump off of a skill because they think or fear that it's um, not the brand they wanted to talk to. Just again, Ikea, just imagine that the, the Ikea Bob would talk into like, like the pizza guy from back when would talk to you. You, you call up the Ikea bot and it says, hi, I'm a Mayo. You would hang up directly. And that's very important for the whole conversation. And if I don't feel picked up by somebody in a conversation at the very beginning, then I don't like talking to that person. So why would they talk to your brand? Mm-hmm. There's a lot more. There's a lot more deeper stuff going on, isn't there? When you, as soon as you put a voice in front of someone, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it's like that's why voice assistants got a bad rap in in the very very early days is because they weren't quite capable of answering everything, <laughs> <laughs> but but you expect it to because it's 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 talking to you. If I ask you a question, yeah. even if you don't know the answer, you'll at least be able to kind of talk around a subject or whatever. But voice mm-hmm. assistants, sorry, I can't understand that, and people just attribute. <laughs> their own expectations of what a conversation is and they yeah. they shift that mental model onto whatever it is that's speaking back at them um i also i love the book wired for speech and if people haven't read it i would definitely recommend you you get it by clifford nass and scott brave and one of the things again in there around the psychology of it is that a voice that you hear can do all kinds of stuff for you you can hear a voice and build trust in that person without ever meeting them before without ever seeing what they look like you can build trust and I think that some of that actually is trust that is that has been established by Google and Amazon and to some extent Apple because you're hearing robotic synthesized voices talking to you all the time. And so in a skill, for example, I think there is an argument for some Alexa skills to not bother with a persona if mm-hmm. if it, if it means that you're piggybacking, in that instance, you're piggybacking off the back of Alexa's persona. So you're not designing your own persona, but you have to be consistent with Alexa's persona because you need to make the experience worthwhile. And so I wonder whether there's a little bit of this going on whereby if you call a call center or speak to a, a skill or you enable a voice assistant on an app, if what the voice comes back to you sounds fairly similar to Google Assistant, fairly similar to Alexa, fairly similar to Siri, what I don't think we've spoken about and no one's spoken about yet is that actually that interaction is piggybacking off the back of the trust that Apple, Siri Absolutely. and Amazon have spent the last five oh, years yeah. establishing with you. And so, yes. so whether you realise it or not, there is a degree of, whether it's, whether you want to call it charisma or not, I don't know, but it's, it's trust in those, it's trust, isn't it, yep. basically? Yeah, but but I think it can be quickly destroyed if there's not the intelligence behind it. If you, you know, use a voice which is a kind of similar, but then you you don't understand anything, and there's yeah, yeah also mm. the point of to be consistent with that. Yeah, it's not only the voice; it's it's the words too. I mean, Google and Alexa and Siri 
can only give you the voice that has some trust already. But if you start writing lines that are like so out of line, then even that trusted voices can't help you get through that skill. It, it will not make it. So you have to have the right fitting words. And that's the basics of persona design already. I mean, there is a part done for you already, but still the, the words have to fit, the conversation have to fit. It all still has to fit with that voices. Mm. voices. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, this has been absolutely fantastic. Really enjoyed the conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of, I suppose it's, I, I, I want to see, um, what I've been asking for for a long time is for something to prove the value. Do you know, like I mentioned there, sometimes for Alexa, a persona is not needed. If you're just piggybacking off the back of it, if it's order an Uber, then it's more utilitarian. It's just like it's utility based. Doesn't you know? Just piggyback off the back of Alexa's persona. If you're Domino's, the example that we gave there was a decent. You know, my experience, even though I couldn't do anything with it, <laughs> the experience of interacting with it was pretty cool because it had a persona, it had a distinct personality. It must have been so distinct because that's the one I think of when I think of this kind of stuff. And I'm still talking about it now, and I still haven't used the skill in about three years, so it must have been doing its job. Um, but I think there's a bit of a gap in, as far as you know, either research or whatever it might be to try and um, enthuse people to do this. Because I think that a lot more people don't do it than do, perhaps. Um, and I think that it's uh, it's an area that warrants more attention. So thank you very much for, for joining us and for sharing your expertise and your insights. It's, it's really appreciated. Where can people learn more thank about you. yourselves or, or learn more about VUI Agency if, they, if they're so inclined? Sorry, I, did, I didn't hear you. <laughs> you That was my northern accent coming into full stream towards the end of the podcast there. Where, where can people find you both if they wanted to reach out or, or where can they find more about VUI Agency? Yeah, it's really simple because um, like it's we.agency. So as we are called, this is also our URL. Um, <laughs> like this. Yes. yes. You you will find all our lovely colleagues there. You you find um, our email address there. So you can get in contact whenever you want to and whenever you have questions or just want to talk about some stuff. We're doing a lot of innovative things at the moment, trying to get all these things that we think a charismatic assistant needs. And um, we know that we hardly know nothing, even though we do, um, which means we, we're open to every input and every conversation that may come up. So happy to hear you all. Cool. Wicked. Ray, Marie, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and thank you everyone for joining us as well. Uh, if you're listening to this on Monday when the podcast comes out, then this Thursday we'll be speaking to Sam Danby of Boost AI. And we're going to be talking about integrating voice into the contact center. And we probably might get into some omni-channel conversational AI uh, chat as well, because they do do chat and voice. And so it's going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about enterprise voice assistants uh, yet again, best practice. And what they do, is, which is pretty nice, which we'll probably get into is baselining. We've been talking about uh, you know, generating voices in TTS. But what we'll be talking about next week a little bit is baselining the performance of the speech recognition engines, the big, the big ones. You know, Google, Amazon, uh, IBM, etc. And how important it is to choose the right speech recognition provider for your application. So do join us then. Uh, until next time, 
Thank you again, Ray. Thank you again, Marie. Thank you again, Marie, rather. And uh, we'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.